Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to call and equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make Him known. For more information, you can visit our website at cityofrefuge.org. You know, last Sunday, uh, uh, Brendan preached about uh, Ephesians 1 and, and just the blessings of being spiritual children of God. You know, I think it's just amazing if you read Ephesians 1, there's so much of it. Um, and, you know, and you just want to pause and just give God, God glory and thanks. So today we're going to talk about something a little, uh, maybe less pleasant, but the truth. But before that, um, you, know, you, know, you know, I work with students, so in, ter- in order to try to engage them, you have to do some jokes and a couple of icebreakers, so um, otherwise they'll fall asleep. Um, so, here's the question, and, and I'll do, let's do a little uh, group participation. Imagine if you won a $1 million, and, you know, not that if you play lottery, but just in case, you know, you found a lottery ticket, <laughs> and it was like $1 million, and uh, good news, the tax is already paid. What would you do with $1 million? <laughs> just randomly. Pay off mortgage? Okay, you're good. I mean, maybe three mortgages. <laughs> Unless you live in California. Save for college. That's good. Okay. Go on a, go on a cruise. All right, yeah. That, my wife and I talked about going uh, you know, around the world on the cruise. Okay. Invested. Okay. Very smart guy. Huh? What would you say, Ray? Okay, all right. If you need a financial advisor, raise your person. Yeah. Okay, give it away. Okay. Hey, Saul, when you win it, let me know. I'll come. We'll, we'll have a conversation. All right. So you know, I asked the question, the same question to students, and you know, some of them had a really crazy answers. Um, but I'm not going to go into that. So here's the thing: is good news is never good unless you first hear the bad news. So here's another question, and, uh, you know, and here, you know, I don't, I, I don't want you to shout out to me, but just think. Imagine if you owed someone $1 million, and, and you can't work. Just think about it. You know, someone is coming to you, and you owe them $1 million, and you don't have a lottery ticket, Potentially, you don't have a capacity even to work and pay it back. Um, what would be your condition? You would be very desperate. You would be so lost. Um, you know, I follow this guy, and you might heard about him. His name is Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey basically helps people who have debts, a lot of debts, to basically have a plan to get rid of them. And, you know, sometimes... You know, I watch it on YouTube, and you get calls from people who owe, like, millions of dollars, you know, usually a lot of times of uh, student debt. And you hear there's just the desperation. You hear people crying. You hear people being so broken. And you just can imagine that, you know, there's just the weight on them. Now, think about spiritual. You know, if you put it yourself in a spiritual realm. Um, so we're going to look at the Ephesians 2, and um, we're going to talk about the condition of the lost, 
or the condition before we came to Christ. So, um, so we have the scripture up there. So let me read it. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom, of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. Verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show us in the, the incomparable, sorry, incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance for us to do. Amen. So, go back to the, the second... Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you, verse. So, when you think about the loss, uh, and you think about the condition of the loss, uh, what is the first thing that stands out for you? Just from the text, what do you think? Yeah. Dead. Okay, the first thing is dead. And that's uh, the, the, the truth, the spiritual truth number one. So, uh, Ellie, next slide, yeah. We're spiritually dead, or they're spiritually dead. So, you know, when you think about, you know, dead, that's a very strong word. Uh, and you think about, really, it goes back to the Genesis um, the beginning, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and the relationship broke. You remember what it says? Um, the next verse. So in Genesis 2, verses 16 through 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat, eat it from it, you will certainly die. The reality is, when they disobeyed God, the relationship, the connection died. They the spiritually died. So, you know, think about, well, look at me. I'm not dead. I'm living. And are we like some kind of zombies? Um, but the reality is, if you are not in Christ, if you're not reconciled with Christ through the, His grace, the scripture is, Black and white says you're dead spiritually. Um, you know, you see that in different, some other verses. In Colossians 2.13, Paul says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Very similar language to Ephesians. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's just, when you read the Gospels and you read the epistles, it's like over and over and again. The idea is that you are dead, 
you're dead, you're spiritually disconnected because of your sins and your transgressions. You know, for me, you know, I've shared my story with you guys coming from a Muslim background. I remember I used to struggle with that um, because, you know, being a Muslim, I thought I was okay. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, I'm doing my job and I have the angels to the right and to the left and they're writing down everything. Um, I wasn't sure if I'm going to go to heaven, but I was, you know, I think I'm okay. Until I came to the point where I started really getting the gospel. I started getting, understanding who Jesus is and understanding my condition. It wasn't about the religion. It wasn't really about trying hard. But it's the idea is that I was dead. And no matter what I did, it really didn't matter. That's what the scripture is saying. Um, we hear that we have the story in, uh, in John chapter 3, uh, the story of Nicodemus. You remember the story of Nicodemus? Uh, Nicodemus had three PhDs. <laughs> he was a very smart person. But, by the way, you know what PhD starts for? Permanent head damage. <laughs> so if you're in PhD, I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. Uh, but going back to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very, very smart person. You know, Jesus refers to him, you're the teacher of the law. But you're not, you don't know these things. You're not getting these things. Because he says, Rabbi, what do I need to do in order to have eternal life? And Jesus basically says, Nicodemus, you're smart, but you're not really smart. <laughs> you need to be born again. You're dead spiritually. And the reality is that that's the entrance to the, to the kingdom. Um, you know, it's, it's not about religious versus non-religious, conservative versus liberal, Muslims versus Christians. It's really about people who are born again and people who are lost. So when you think about your loved ones, when you think about those who, you know, your neighbors, it's hard to really think about like they're dead spiritually. You know, I, my parents, you know that, they're Muslims. I've been praying for them for over 20 years. And it really breaks my heart to think about that they're dead spiritually. No matter what they do, it doesn't really matter. I think it makes me just want to pray for them even more. Number two is that, um, yeah, that verse, uh, the slide. They're under spiritual slavery. Um, and verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Um, so recently I had a chance to watch this movie. Um, the next slide is uh, you know, featuring Will Smith, and it's titled Emancipation. Have you guys seen the movie? So it's, it just came out recently. Um, and so Emancipation is the movie, you know, it talks about the slavery in the South, uh, specifically in the state of Louisiana. And it tells the story of a Peter, which played here by Will Smith, who's a slave. A man who escapes from slavery, relying on his wits, his unwavering faith. He was very, in the movie shows, he's very, uh, a person of faith. And deep love for his family. So he's trying to come back to his family. 
but he's trying to evade cold-blooded hunters and unforgiving swamps of Louisiana on his quest for freedom. The film is, is inspired by the 1863 photos of Whip Peter taken during the a Union Army medical examination that first appeared in Harper's Weekly. That was a newspaper back then. So one image known as a scorch back, which shows Peter's bare back mutilated by a whipping delivered by his enslavers, ultimately contributed to the growing public opposition to slavery. You think about that, this is the real image. And you think about the atrocities and the evil of, of human slavery. You know, how would, why would people do it to other people? Think about spiritually. You know, what, did, what does it mean to be spiritually slave? Each one of us, I mean, we still do, and before Christ, Satan kept whipping us, kept beating us. And a lot of times, we don't see those scars in us because a lot of times they're inside. Um, you know, when you see those things and you just like, you uphold and it's like, it's very sad. Um, but imagine just the spiritual scars that we carry, each one of us. I think about your loved ones and think about those who not yet trusted their lives to Christ. They're getting beaten by Satan every day. You know, we see there's the pandemic because the mental health and other things, and suicide levels going up. Why? Because of what the Bible says that they're, they're walking the ways of the kingdom, of the ruler of this kingdom in the air. The Satan, who's the ruler. You know, the Bible calls him the, the God of this world. Um, sometimes I, I wonder why did, you know, God put him in, the, in charge. But he's really not in charge. God, Jesus, Jesus is in charge. But he is here and he's ruling the disobedience. So I want you to just remember this image because I think, think about those who are, you know, just in a spiritual bondage. Um, I wanted to share a story of uh, my friend Hassan here. He's right here, dear friend. So Hassan is, uh, came from a Muslim background. We have a very similar background. He's a dear friend. But I wanted to share a little bit of his story, uh, specifically related to this uh, spiritual bondage things. So you hear about Muslims seeing Jesus in a dream, right? In fact, statistically, they say about 75% of Muslims come to Christ through some, some supernatural um, encounter with their dreams or visions. <clears throat> Could be, you know, healing, supernatural healing. But Hassan had two dreams. The first dream, actually two dreams of Satan and then one dream of Jesus. Um, I'm not going to steal his story. If you're interested, you know, get to know him. And hear his story is amazing. <clears throat> but the first dream when he had... He was sleeping, and in the dream, a person with the hoodie, the dark, came to him and started choking him. Sorry, I feel like something stuck in my head. And, you know, he couldn't breathe, and, and the, the person was basically saying, recite, recite, recite. Which you, you know, if you know the, the, the history 
of, of Islam and, and just what how you know Muhammad got the revelation from Angel Gabriel supposedly you see that he said recite 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 so when Hassan woke up he realized that that vision or the, the revelation that Muhammad received actually was from Satan you know I wouldn't say that to Muslims but that's the reality you know Hassan as a Muslim he was a Muslim back then he saw the reality that Satan is really active and he's working in the lives of those people oh thank you and later on he had a vision of Jesus praise God for that um, now Hassan is a follower of Christ he's actually considering interning with bridges so he came from the rescuing from from the spiritual darkness into becoming a missionary for Jesus amen amen think about it this way when you think about the our friends and you think about your family members and just being a spiritual bondage and realize you know maybe I need to pray for them more maybe I really need to stop and think about it you know that these people are they're whipped by Satan every day they're trying to find solution any solution out there secular humanistic whatever religious solution doesn't work because the reality is it's only by grace of God they can be set free um, so number three and the verse there we see there are objects of God's wrath and judgment verse 3 all of us also lived among them at one one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest and we were by nature deserving of the wrath you know when I think about God's judgment it's not really popular things you know we when we talk you know when I talk to my students sometimes I feel uncomfortable talking about God's judgment because you know we just want to talk about love which is true that's part of the gospel but the, another part of the gospel is that God is a judge and is gonna judge us um, so there are basically three ways you can respond to God's judgment number one is is totally ignore it and you just say you know it, it is my life and I just can do whatever I want you know I meet students like that and you know they say ah, there's really no God there's no heaven this is it this is my life and I'm gonna do whatever I want to do and you see that actually Paul addresses that in Romans 1 um, where he says that God gave him up the desires of the flesh verse 18 the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness you see the language he's using they suppress the truth the truth is there it's been there since the beginning but by their choice they're saying you know I'm gonna do whatever I want to do but then you look at the beginning of that it says if you're dead what are the actions of the dead people not really pretty right so when you live like that and you choose to live like that you suppress the truth of God so the judgment of God is on them God says okay you can do whatever you want I'll see you at the end number two is try hard to score the points 
Basically, that's what the religious people do. And you can be here, a Christian, and if you're not born again, if you haven't experienced God's grace and you haven't experienced His truth, you can be in the same categories. Just try hard. You know, as a Muslim, you know, we tried hard. You know, when I meet my Muslim friends, they're the most, some of the most zealous people for God. You know, they pray. Ramadan is starting on Wednesday, by the way, on Thursday. They're going to pray. And they're, they think, you know, they will try to collect those points because towards the end, you know, hopefully God will be merciful to me. And, you know, what you're really doing is that you realize, you, you think about, there is a judgment of God, but I'll try my best, and at the end, hopefully God will be merciful and I'll have enough points to make it. And number three is, you just surrender our lives to Christ and his work on the cross. It's just realize that God's judgment is there. That by my action, I suppress the truth, but I know that his grace has given me new, new life and I have a relationship with him. So, the transition. So we covered the three trees, spiritually dead, under spiritual slavery, and they're under God's wrath or judgment. You know, it's interesting, because when you think about those things, and you think about evangelism and what God has done for you, you realize when we sing about amazing grace, it really makes a deeper meaning for you. Because when you think about just being spiritually dead and being spiritually slaved and God's, under God's judgment, you really start appreciating amazing grace of God. Okay, the transition here, the verse 4, the big transition here, when I took seminary classes, that's where it says, but God. Okay, the next slide. The big but God. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves, it is the gift from God. Not by, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Next verse. It's by God's grace. Um, next verse, actually. Next one. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I uh, downloaded this chart. I didn't make it, but I think it really shows the truth of our lives before Christ and our lives after Jesus. You know, one thing is, it's interesting. Um, coming from a Muslim background and being a religious person, one of the things is uh, very attractive to me is God's work in the gospel. Because, you know, I think the reality of the gospel is that it's not trying hard. It's, it's really praising God and, and, and enjoying the blessings that we already have in, Christ, in, in Him who's done the work. I love the chart here because you see that, you know, the correlation here is that when we were dead in our sins, we were made alive, verse 4, in Christ. 
We were following the course of this world, and now we're sitting with Christ in the heavenly realms. When you sit, it's the place of rest and the place of authority. You know that? When you sit, you're resting, and you have authority. And we do have authority. You know that in Christ we have authority over spiritual realms. It says, under the devil's control, now we're saved by, his faith, by faith. We were disobedient, and now we're enjoying the riches of his glory. We're doing our will. Now we're doing God, you know, the works that he has prepared for us in advance. And that last one, we were children of wrath. Now we're children of God. And that's what Brendan was talking about last, last week in, in Ephesians 1, that we are children. We're adopted in God's family. Because of what Jesus has done, we're children of God. And here's the beauty of the gospel is, is that when you think about those things, you want to praise God. And if you, like, if you think, I need to just work hard to deserve it, or I need to work hard to earn it, that's not the gospel. You miss the point. It's the gospel is ours. We surrender our lives to him, and we enjoy those things, and it transforms us to become new creations in Christ. Amen? Next slide. So, you know, uh, we have a lot of people here who love World Cup, and, uh, including me. Um, I, I do love uh, Lionel Messi. So this is the cup where uh, Argentina, they beat France in the World Cup. It happened last November. And I love this picture because, you know, they're celebrating the win. So when I think about God's kingdom, you know, the truth is we're Argentina. God has already won the World Cup of this world. You know that? That's the truth. God has defeated, Jesus has defeated the death, has defeated the Satan, and has set us free. We are the, you know, the champions. Lionel Messi is Jesus Christ. <laughs> is MVP. Okay. I think I'm giving him too much credit. Uh, but he is MVP and we're on the winning team. So when I think about his kingdom and I think about gospel proclamation, you know, I really love the verse in the Revelation, next chapter, uh, in chapter 7. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne in front of the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb here's the truth that's going to happen you know Jesus is going to have a feast the World Cup is already won the question will you be part of that he's inviting us to the winning team and he's done the work He's inviting us to the winning team. And when I think about those things, I think about just some of the people that are really resisting the gospel today. People like in Pakistan and Saudi Arabia. The groups that are persecuting Christians and killing Christians. And the reality is we will see people from this nation in heaven. When we send out people out there to the world, we know that their work is not in vain because God is already working the lives of those people. And we're going to see those people up in heaven. 
Will you be part of that? Will you be a Lionel Messi for God's kingdom? MVP. And the last thing I wanted to finish this verse, uh, nice last slide, is uh, uh, from Bill Bright. Uh, Dr. Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade, or crew, which I'm part of that. And I love that, you know, what the, this phrase is really uh, talks about, just the whole idea of evangelism and witnessing for the gospel. So Dr. Bright says, Stress, uh, successful witnessing is taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, just our theme verse, and leaving the results to God. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you again for the gospel. Just we thank you that you saved us, you made us alive in Christ. You raised us, you seated us with Christ in unity with Jesus. Prepared good work for us beforehand. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for your mercy. And Lord, we just pray that you would use each one of us First of all, to pray for the lost, but also that you would each use each one of us as ambassadors for you, God. Um, we know that the work is already accomplished. It's finished on the cross. But Father, we, we know that there's so much still yet to do for your kingdom. And pl please use us, Lord. We want to be part of, you know, when we go to heaven and just have our friends and family along us saying, you know, by grace of God, you've saved them. And you used me to share the good news with them. It's the greatest reward we can get after salvation. Lord, we just thank you again. And we praise you for uh, just the, the church and, and the community we have. In Christ's name, amen.